Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Associate Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches us the Word of God. By the way, that was last minute. I asked him to do that about two minutes before he did it. So that was unrehearsed, and, and what a blessing. I, I wanted you to get used to hearing that trumpet sound. Because soon and very soon, we're going to hear a trumpet sound. Because the Lord promised that he would return with the sound of the trumpet, with the voice of the archangel. He's coming back for his people. What a glorious day that will be. I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll look at verses 14 and 15. And the title of the message this morning is Radical Christians. Radical Christians. 2 Corinthians 12, 14 and 15. And I want to begin with a quote from Leonard Ravenhill. Leonard Ravenhill said, Christianity today is so subnormal that if any Christian began to act like a normal New Testament Christian, he'd be considered abnormal. And that's pretty much true, isn't it? I I mean, sometimes we ignore the fact that the teachings of the Bible are so contrary to the ways of the world that it makes us appear abnormal. Let's just be honest about it. It is not normal to love your enemies, is it? It is not normal to speak a blessing over those who are cursing you. It is not normal to do good things for people who hate you. And it is not normal to pour your heart out in prayer for those who are persecuting you. But that's exactly what the Bible says that we are to do. And by the way, Jesus covered all of those points in just one verse in the Bible, and you can look it up later. It's Matthew 5, 44. The fact is that the kind of living the Bible calls on us to walk out, to flesh out in this world is radical and abnormal as far as the rest of the world is concerned. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to talk to you about three radical characteristics of those who truly walk with the Lord and obey His teachings. I want you to try to remember three words today, and I hope you'll not only walk out with these three words, but I hope you'll write them down someplace and and keep referring back to them through this year. Because I really do want this to be the best year you've ever had. I want it to be the best year we've ever had as a church. These are the three words, glad or gladness. Either one. Second word is loving. And the third word is giving. Now those three words may not appear to you as all that radical. But if you'll think about it this way, God wants you to be glad in a sad world. 
Our world is sad and dark, and it's getting worse all the time, but God calls upon us to be glad, to be filled with gladness and victory and joy. God wants you to be loving in a world that's fighting. The fighting is ceaseless, isn't it? Going on everywhere. It breaks our hearts to see what's going on in the world. But God has called on us to be loving. No matter how much the world fights, He wants us to be loving. And the last one is giving. In a world filled with takers, God wants us to be givers. He wants us to be filled with gladness. He wants us to be loving people. He wants us to be giving This is what God has called us to do, and He wants us to do it on a radical level. Now, I want to share with you our Scripture and what we find, and and the life of the Apostle Paul demonstrates these three characteristics uh, all throughout his ministry, but there's one particular passage of Scripture where you can see all three of them in the same place, 2 Corinthians 12, 14, and 15. It says, Now for the third time I'm ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I do not seek yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Now, let me give you the background. The Corinthian church was in a mess, And I tell you, for our sakes, I'm kind of glad because it set the stage for some of the most profound teachings that we have in the Word of God. But the Corinthian church was turning against the Apostle Paul. Uh, He was the Apostle, and the church was turning against him. They were accusing him of things that were not true. And that's what happens when the enemy gets involved in our lives. When he gets involved in the church, he begins to stretch things and spin things uh, in such a way that it does damage to the kingdom of God. But the Corinthian church was upset with Paul. They were accusing him. Uh, There was a growing divide between the apostle Paul and the Corinthian church itself. And Paul is responding to their criticism. He's responding to their accusations. And in his response, basically what Paul says to them is you can fight if you want to fight, but I'm not fighting with you. You can stop loving me if you want to stop loving me, but I'm not going to stop loving you. You, you, you can, can try to tear things apart, but I will try to put them back together. I'll be a giver. And what we find in this context is Paul is demonstrating, if you just listen to his words and his tone, he's demonstrating victory and gladness and joy, uh, not over the what's going on, but in the midst of what's going on, there's a great deal of joy and victory in his heart and in his words. And he's also telling them that I love you. And he's telling them that I'm willing to give everything I've got for you. Now, what we'll do is we'll just break these down and look at them. The first one, if you want to write these down, he was glad when they were sad. Paul's in the middle of a church fight. And he's expressing gladness and joy. I I looked the word up. He said, very gladly will I spend and be spent. Paul isn't saying that I'm willing to give you my resources, even though he says that. I'm, 
He says, I'm doing this gladly. I'm rejoicing because I've got the opportunity to step into the picture and do something for the glory of God. They're upset. Paul's not upset. They're angry. He's not angry. There's gladness. There's victory. There's joy. There's celebration going on in his heart. And Paul is letting them know that he loves them. Those who truly walk with the Lord, please listen up. Those who walk with the Lord have a joy that nobody can take away from them. No circumstance, no situation, no group of people, nobody can take it away from you. I I, I still like that old chorus uh, by the Gaithers, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away from me. Uh, Somebody said if the world can take it away from you, you didn't get it from God. And I'm not saying we don't have trials and tribulations and distress and hardship, but I am saying that there is a joy unspeakable and full of grace and full of love. Uh, There's a joy that God can give you that nobody can take from you. The Bible teaches such radical gladness and joy and victory. I just want to hit some of these fast. I, I didn't... I started to pick a few of them out, and then I decided to stay with the whole group. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be, say it, full. He saved us for gladness, for joy, for victory. The Lord didn't save you to spend the rest of your life in sadness, in defeat. Sometimes there will be disturbances. Sometimes there will be disturbances even uh, in close proximity to where we are in our homes, in our families, in our church, and in, in the sanctuaries that we enter. But even then, God's called on us to demonstrate gladness. Uh, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is, hear it again, fullness of joy. At your right hand are, say it, forevermore. Let me tell you, our relationship with the Lord, I'm not saying there's not a burden. I'm not saying that it's not hard and difficult at times, but I'm saying that there is a deep down joy and gladness and victory and celebration that should abide within our hearts. And we need to embrace that and refuse to allow the enemy to take it from us. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. I love this. Then the 70 returned with joy. I had to throw this one in because I love this. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. You want to get excited about your faith? When you grow in maturity to the point that you start realizing that even the demons are subject to you in his name. Those demons that come against your family, those demons that come against your children, those demons that come against your church, those demons that come against your finances, those demons that come against you, they are subject to you in Jesus' name. And they were celebrating that. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright. When I, when I look at Christianity... And a close relationship with God as we have in the Scriptures, I don't see sadness. I, I, I don't see doom and gloom. I see victory. I see celebration. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, 
rejoice. If you wonder why we rejoice in this house, by the way, just a few moments ago, a visitor walked up to shake my hand, and, and I said, are you looking for a, a, a church home? And they said, I found it. It's here. I haven't even got it preached to them yet. Already made the decision. Yes, this is it. I sat in a worship service. The joy, the celebration, the victory, the happiness. That Listen, the world's full of doom and gloom. God's house, God's people should be full of gladness and joy and celebration. And, 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 the, Paul, and the apostle Paul demonstrated this in his life and we find it in scripture. Uh, this is a good one. Uh, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It really is. Try it one day. Just make up your mind. You're going to laugh and celebrate and rejoice and be happy all day long. Or, yeah, I mean, I don't recommend this, but if you just really want to compare the two, make up your mind. You'll just be ugly and mean and (laughs) miserable and sad all day long. And at the end of the day, just do your own evaluation. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Why is the joy of the Lord your strength? The joy of the Lord is your strength because when you choose the joy of the Lord, you're opening your heart up to who He is and what He wants to do in your life. That's, that's what it's all about. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I, I, maybe we need to stop right in the middle of my message and go back into worship. This is, and celebrate the, the faith that God has, has given to us. This is His day. He made it, and we're to rejoice in it. If you don't believe Paul was radical in this thing about gladness and joy and victory, then listen to this, 2 Corinthians 12.10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now wait, let's just stop there. What's infirmities? Sickness? Suffering? When was the last time you called somebody in this church and you said, how are you doing? And they said, praise God, hallelujah, glory to God in the highest. I came down with the flu yesterday and this is, this is the most awesome thing for me. I mean, tell me, is this normal? Isn't this a little bit weird? Worldly speaking, it's not normal to act the way the Bible tells us to act. Paul said, I take pleasure in infirmities. He didn't stop there, though. He said, in reproaches, that's when people are saying ugly things about you. I don't ever have anybody come into my office and say, Pastor, I just want to tell you, I am really rejoicing today because some people are saying some ugly things about me. How do we read over this stuff and miss it? In necessities, that's not having enough. In persecutions, that's when they stop talking about you and they start throwing stones. In distress, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul had learned that when things take a turn for the worse in his life, that that was an opportunity for him to draw close to God. And when he would draw close to God, his heart was filled with joy. Even the bad things that happen to you in life can be turned around to great victory because you're drawing close to the Lord. I, uh, years ago, there was a lady 
in the church I was pastoring up in Georgia. And I won't ever forget the first day I went to see her. And, and I, I don't know many people in that church. I even remember their names. It was so long ago. But I remember her name. Her name was Clara Singletary. And Miss Clara was amazing. And, and I, I remember the first day I went to the nursing home to visit her. I didn't know anything about her, but the door was open, and when I knocked on the door, she started laughing. I just knocked on the door. She just starts laughing, and then I hear her say, whoever it is, come on in. I want to talk to you. Come on in here. And, and, and so I entered, and when I, got, I said, hey, I'm your new pastor. She said, oh, Pastor Jones, I done heard about you. I'm glad you're here on the church field. And, and I'm, I'm so thrilled that you're here. And, and, and she said, uh, now let me tell you about the church. And she told me about all the beautiful people and all the wonderful things. Well, in the process, I realized as I was talking to her that she was blind. She was totally blind. Restricted to a chair, could barely walk. She laughed. She carried on. And then right right before I got ready to leave, she said, now, honey, come over here and get down in front of my chair on your knees. And and I did. I went and got on my knees. And, and, and she said, now, let me feel your face because I, I want to I wanna get a good idea of what you look like. And, and, and she rubbed my, my head and my hair. And, and, and she said, now, honey, I'm going to pray over you. And God's going to use you. And great and glorious things are going to happen in your life in, in the church. And so she prayed over me. And, and I, I tell you what, friends, when she finished praying over me and I got up and walked out of that room, I was ready to attack hell with a water pistol. I mean to tell you, I felt like I was 10 feet tall. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And not only is it your strength, when the joy of the Lord is on you, that strength will jump off of you and it will get on to somebody else. And it just gets passed on. Anytime I had to go visit the nursing home, there was a lot of people in the nursing home. She'd always be the last one I visited. Because I knew no matter what I heard or what I experienced, she's going to pick my spirits up before I walked out of there. She had the joy of the Lord. She could have been unhappy or sad about her condition, about her state, about the fact that she couldn't walk and she was blind. Uh, And by the way, I would go in and I would say, I heard this over and over. I'd say, Miss Clara, how are you doing today? She says, son, I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about the church. Tell me how the church is going. Who got saved recently? Who's been baptized? Tell me what's going on. Is the church growing, son? Are things... And she just... Listen, the more focused you are on you, the more difficult you're going to have with the gladness and the joy and the victory of the Lord. Got to get your eyes off yourself. Got to get your eyes looking above looking at heaven above and the things of God. And that's exactly what Miss Clara did. She was amazing. Now, Paul was, was not only glad while they were sad, he was loving when they were fighting. Did you notice that scripture? It says, the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Have you ever known somebody that the more you loved on them, the less they liked you? 
That, I mean, I mean, sooner or later, that gets irritating, doesn't it? But not with Paul. Paul said, the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Paul was saying, you can fight with me if you want to, but I'm sticking with love. And not only will I stay with love, my love for you will intensify. By the way, if you love somebody, then your love has to be based on you and your relationship with God and your genuine care and concern for them, not on how they respond to you. If your love for them is based on how they respond to you, then you don't really love them. You love you and you're using them. So it's, it's not about, it's not about you. It's about God in you. And, and Paul was loving when they were fighting. This is, I think, my favorite Martin Luther King Jr. quote of all. I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Oh, friends. Every child of God who's walking with God has made a commitment to stay with love. Jesus said to one of his disciples on one occasion, and I, this is one of those places in my message where I really felt God was saying to me, somebody's going to need to hear this. Somebody, especially in the congregation, will need to hear this. But Jesus said to one of his disciples on one occasion, the disciple drew a sword to protect Jesus. It seemed like a great thing to do. It, it, it seemed like a heroic thing to do. But he drew his sword. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, what are you doing? Put your sword up. If you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. You want me to lift that out of a biblical context and put it in our lives today? If you are fussing and fighting and quarreling and getting angry all the time, it will be your demise. It will be your undoing. It will be your downfall. It will be your divorce. It will be your children's destruction. It's not the issue at hand. It's how you're handling the issue. We as children of God don't fight. We're not to fight. Not like the world fights. Ours, uh, our lives are to be filled with love. And one of the things that we need to do, and again, I'm not saying this is easy. I believe it's very difficult to do this. But one of the things that we need to do is learn how to address and approach every situation in love. That's what Paul's doing. The church is attacking him, accusing him falsely, and he's saying, hey, listen, I love you, and I'm going to keep loving you, and my love is going to get greater and greater for you. We need to ask God to teach us how to love. Some of you here this morning, you're in a bad situation. You need to ask God to help you to love. You say, how's that even possible in some situations? And, and, and let me just stop and say this. People always say, well, pastor, you don't know my situation. No, friends. Your situation never changes the truth of the Scripture. Amen. Your situation never gives you a license and a freedom to act some other way than what the Bible says. 
and how the Bible teaches. Your situation. No. Make up your mind that God's Word is sovereign. It is supreme. It is the full and final authority for you and your life and your family and start living by it. And I want to tell you that the God of love who filled you with love when you were saved will show you how to walk that love out in the most difficult situations in life if you'll ask Him. He'll show you how. And and I just got to tell you that uh, when you do it, now remember, I'm getting you ready for the best year of your life. You, you, you're going to make a commitment to gladness and joy and victory because it's yours. It's your birthright as a child of God. And, and, and then the commitment to stop fighting. I'm hoping and praying that dozens of people here this morning will make a commitment. The fight is over. Satan, you're not tricking me anymore into fighting. But I want to tell you, when you surrender to this, and when you say, God, not my way, but your way, I'm going to live the way you want me to live. Lord, I'm ready to love. I'm ready to walk in love. I'm ready to let the love of God abound in me and flow through me. When you do that, I'm telling you that God will begin to direct your steps in a pathway that will be radical. It'll be revolutionary. It will change your life. It'll change the lives of people around you. And I got to tell you, it's just plain out fun. When somebody's being mean to you and you say, I'm not going to fight with you, I'm going to be good to you. When somebody says, I'm going to take something from you, and you say, wait, hold, hold, hold on just a minute. Stop right there. Is that what you want? Let me give you a little more. Yeah. See, that messes them up. Pe- people don't know how to say that. When, when somebody does something mean and hateful to you, and you respond in love, wow. So let me tell you. By the way, I've been around long enough as a pastor that I've had so many crazy things that have happened to me that uh, it's hard to believe. But on one occasion, I went into my office and my secretary said to me, she said, Pastor, we've got a woman in the church who's upset. Imagine that. Ten to one, I'd rather have a man upset with me. <laughs> There's some old sayings, you know, like, hell have no fury like a woman scorned, or something, something like that. And, and, uh, and, and Diane, I apologize to you, my dear sister, when I say this. She never has liked for me to say this. But when a woman is good, she's better than a man. But when she's bad, she's worse than a man. I'm sorry, I apologize. Before and after. Mama Diane's going to straighten me out after this message. My secretary said, we got a woman and she's upset with you. And I said, how serious is it? (laughs) She said, well, she's going around trying to get everybody to sign a petition to fire you. That's pretty serious. Yeah. So I said, well, let me pray about it and I'll deal with it. So I got home, and when I got home, I walked in and my wife says, we got trouble. (laughs) And I'm thinking, is this something else? And 
I said, what is it? She called the lady's name. She said, she's upset with you. Said words out in the community. She's, she's getting up a petition. And uh, huh. let, let me tell you something. Don't underestimate the ability of the enemy to use any of us. Amen. I don't think she was a bad woman. I, I, just, I think the enemy just had her ear. And we need to be careful. By the way, Simon Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls got saved, didn't they? But not too uh, long before that, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Be careful that the enemy doesn't start whispering in your ear. Make sure that what you're hearing lines up with the Word of God. But anyway, so, and several other people in the church called me and said, there's a fight of brewing. And, and so, let me tell you what I did. I took a few moments... And I sat down and I started kind of making some mental notes about how I was going to respond to this. And this was the pathway I was going. How dare you? Who do you think you are? I'm the pastor of this church. You better make sure this is biblical. Man, let me tell you something. I had a defense. Can I just be honest with you this morning? When you sit around and start thinking about what you would say to somebody if you had a chance to say to them, just run to the nearest altar and get on your face and say, God, have mercy upon me. I'm listening to the wrong spirit. And that's where I was. The enemy just had me. And, And so this scripture dated me. Do you have songs that date you? You hear a song that takes you back. Every time I read this scripture, I go back to this event. Because that night I started reading this. The more I love you, the less I be loved. And I got before the Lord and I started just humbling my spirit. Lord, forgive me for all those things I thought about saying to this woman. Show me how to love her. And God put something in my heart. I I don't know what it was, but I looked for her. The next Sunday she was in church and she was talking to a group of ladies and they had them a little huddle. And I walked up there and, and, and there was two ladies, and I just kind of put my hands. I said, would y'all let me through just for a moment? And I walked up to her, and I put my arms around her, and I said, I just want to tell you I love you. And then I turned and ran. <laughs> and then before church was out that same day, I grabbed her. I said, I just love you. I just got to tell you I love you. And I never would. I wouldn't. I would just, man, I was gone. I wouldn't let her respond. And the next Sunday, I kept saying, I, I'd go up to her and I'd say, I love you. And then there were times when, when she'd see me coming, and she'd kind of just stand there like. <laughs> I'd run up and just hug her. And then I got where I kissed her on the cheek. And I, I started telling her, I loved, I told that woman I loved her so many times that I started believing it myself. Try it sometimes. Take somebody that you don't love and start telling them you love them and ask Jesus to help you love them. And I kept loving on her and loving on her. And the day I left that church, and by the way, the petition, I don't know what happened, but it just went away. But the day I left that church, she hugged my neck and cried on my shoulder and kissed me on the cheek and told me how much she loved me. Love wins the day. 
When others are fighting, we need to start loving. Loving will conquer the enemy. Love is the one thing the enemy has no defense for. Love somebody. There's somebody who does not like you. They told me. (laughs) Love on them. Love on them. Bake them a pie. Call them and invite them out to eat. They won't go with you, but call them anyway. Just start, it messes them up. It heaps coals of fire on them. They don't know what to do with it. All right, I think I'm off my notes now. I love this poem. Have you heard this before? He drew a circle that shut me out, but love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. There are some people who have drawn a circle and shut you out. And with the love of God, you just draw a bigger circle and take them in. And you keep loving on them until God wins the victory. I'm telling you, you can do it. One of the most radical things you'll do for this new year is just to choose to be happy and glad in the Lord and to love people like Jesus loves you. And then the last one is giving. Paul was giving when they were taking In the middle of this church fight, Paul says, I'll spend, that means he'll give of his resources, and then I will be spent. What Paul was saying is, is I'm going to give you my resources, and if that's not enough, I'll give you my own life also. Giving is a characteristic of a true child of God who's walking with the Lord. I'm a lover of quotes, so listen to some of these. The more you give, the more comes back to you because God is the greatest giver in the universe and he won't let you outgive him. Go ahead and try it. See what happens. Randy Alcorn. A lack of generosity refuses to acknowledge that your assets are not really yours but God's. Tim Keller. Be someone's sunshine when their skies are gray. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us to do? When a brother or sister is down, what do we do? We pick them up. How do you pick them up? What do they need? Find out what they need and you pick them up. When you open your heart to giving, angels fly to your door. I love that one. We'll be back on our uh, series on visitation soon. But the Lord put this message on my heart for today. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. We can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone. Ronald Reagan. Listen to this. Some people, this is Proverbs 21, 26. Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. One more time. The godly love to give. If a person is truly godly, they love to to give. You can be greedy or you can be godly. But you can't be both. One or the other, greedy or godly, but godly people are radical in their giving. Years ago, uh, when I was learning some of this stuff about giving, I had come home uh, from over in Alabama and I was visiting my father. And uh, My father had made a profession of faith, but was not 
very mature in the things of the Lord. And my dad told me, he said, there's a pastor in the county that's having some trouble and financial trouble. And he said, I'm going to help him out. And I said, well, that's great, Dad. I'm glad to hear that. And I said, so what are you going to do? And he says, well, says he's trying to raise some money and he has a boat and he wants to sell his boat, so I'm going to buy his boat. And that'll help him out financially. So help me, I looked at my daddy. I said, Daddy, you got two boats. He said, I know, I don't need the boat, but I'm going to just buy it from him to help him out. I said, Dad, you're not thinking deep enough in this situation. He needs money, doesn't he? Yes, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy the boat from him so he'll have the money. I said, well, Dad, he needs the boat also. I told my dad, I said, Dad, why don't you buy the boat from him and then give him back the boat? That's what a Christian would do. That's radical, isn't it? My dad didn't say anything, he just kind of like that. But later on I found out that my dad wrote a check out, bought the boat, sent the check to him, you keep the boat. I just want to tell you, friends, giving has to be a part of our lives. And, and, and if you just got saved last week, it, it, if, if you know nothing about the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let me just go ahead and, and give you a little advanced teaching. God wants you to be a giver. I'm not talking about the offering in the church. Sure, you should tithe. Sure, you should support. I'm talking about in every area, in every facet of your life, your life needs to be characterized by giving. The world's full of takers. The church of Jesus Christ should be full of givers. We should be living our lives in such a way that God knows that He can pour into us because it'll flow through us. And it'll touch people everywhere. We're talking about Journey 600 in this church. Did, did anybody, let me just, did anybody notice anything different when you walked in today? This is, this is a good crowd, isn't it? Did you know we put 50 new chairs in this church last week? I'm not always a man of faith. Sometimes when we do things like that, I thought, we put 50 new chairs in here. Boy, it's going to look empty in here. No, it doesn't. Listen, we want to grow. We want to reach this county. But we can't reach this county by acting like everybody else in this county. We can reach this county for the glory of God. We can hit 600 and beyond when we are filled with the joy and gladness of our Savior. When we are loving people like Jesus loves us and like He wants us to love. And we are giving and meeting needs. Look in your Bible and find the number of times that people would come to Jesus and He'd say, what can I do for you? What do you need? Lord, that I might receive my sight. People would... That's how Jesus responded to, to people. And, and, and so we need to be givers. I want to close with giving you at least three scriptures. If you didn't write any other scriptures down, please write these down. This will, this will revolutionize your year, and it'll turn this church upside down for the glory of God. These three scriptures, and it's all about giving. The first one is Proverbs nineteen seventeen. If you help 
the poor. Now, by the way, how do you help the poor? You got to give something to them. The Bible even frowns on saying, uh, be filled if you won't give them food, or be warm if you won't give them clothing. You have to do something. You have to give them something. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and He will repay you. God says, if you'll help somebody that's poor, if you'll help somebody that they can't return the favor, God will see that, and God will repay you. All right, that's pretty good, isn't it? Gets better. Deuteronomy 15.10 Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in, read it with me, everything you do. How many of you want God to bless you in everything you do? You see, giving has to be a part of our lives. We're never more like God than when we're giving. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And God begins to take notice of us when we turn into givers. When we are giving in every direction under the leadership of the Lord and by faith. And He blesses everything you do. God will repay you. He'll bless everything you do. It gets better. I'm serious. Hard to believe. Hard to believe it could get better than that. Here it is. Psalm 41, 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. Don't raise your hand, but is there anybody here in trouble today? If you're in trouble, I gotta, I gotta, I've done this before. If you're in trouble, I've got an idea for you. Go find somebody that's poor and needy and help them out. That's what it says, isn't it? The Lord rescues them when rescues them when they are in trouble. See, if you are generous, if you give to the poor, God will come to your help when you're in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land. I remember on one occasion, my wife and I fell on some hard times. I mean, financial, it was the worst time. And we decided to scrape up what money we had. Now, by the way, we were tithing, so it wasn't a tithing thing. But we decided to scrape up what money we had, and we just started indiscriminately giving that money away. I mean, I, we, gave, we gave everything we had. We just went bare bones. And then all of a sudden, something happened. Something happened. God, God started blessing God started bringing prosperity. And, and, and it, it's in the Word of God. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. Wow, this is... Listen, these last three verses I'm giving you, I mean, these last three passages of Scripture will change your year, but all of them deal with us being kind and compassionate and loving and caring when it comes to poor. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. Anybody here sick today? Come on, come on now. Why, why, why would God give us a promise if He didn't want us to read that promise and say, you know what, I'm going to claim that promise. If you care for the poor, 
if you helped somebody. Well, I think I got to quit. So let me tell you what the enemy wants. I'm going to shoot from the hip. This is what the enemy wants out of you. It's what he wants out of me. It's what he wants out of this church. It's what he wants for 2020. This is what the enemy wants. He wants you to be sad. He wants you to be hateful. And he wants you to be stingy. That's what God wants. I mean, that's what the enemy wants. Forget that last statement. He wants you to be sad. He wants you to be hateful. He wants you to be stingy. That's what the enemy wants. Better than that, the enemy wants you to be sad. He wants you to be hateful. And he wants you to be stingy. And he wants you to go around the county telling everybody you're a Christian. Because then that gives a black eye to Christianity and the family of faith. It repels people. Isn't it time as the body of Christ that we take simple truths out of God's Word? And we just make a commitment. I will not be sad. I will not live in defeat. I will not live in discouragement. I will not. I will be glad in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God and the Lord God of my salvation. I will be glad in Him because He's made me glad. I will not be hateful. Somebody here today needs to just... Whisper that. I'm going to quit being hateful. Don't laugh too hard. Somebody might think you actually know them. And no. I won't be hateful. I'll be loving. I'll start loving. How about radical love? Radical love. Where we love people who hate us. And I will not be stingy. Today, I will become a giver. This year, my life will be characterized by giving. If you're ready to renounce sadness and hatred and, and stinginess, as we go into this year, 2020, would you make a commitment this morning? I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. And I don't want you to make this lightly, but if you mean it, if you will make a choice to be glad in the Lord your God, and let that be a daily characteristic that you will be loving even when others are fighting and that you'll be giving when others are taking. We're making, a, this is not a New Year's resolution. This is a group of God's people purposing in our hearts that we will do what God's Word teaches. If you're willing to make that purpose in your heart to do that, would you just stand up? Sadness, defeat and discouragement, no more. Amen. Being hateful and contentious, arguing and fussing, no more. Being stingy and holding on, no more. No, no more. We are his people Amen. to live the way he teaches us to live. I'm going to pray, but I don't want you to go anywhere. I want you to just stay right where you are for a moment. Father, thank you for these commitments. I make it. I know, Lord, in truth, I've failed in every one of these areas more times than I even know. But, Lord, it is my desire to be a person who's glad 
when people are normally sad, to be loving when people are fighting, and to be giving when others are taking. Lord, I want to make a commitment today, and this church wants to make a commitment, that even when people are using us and misusing us and mistreating us, that we will be children that you can be proud of, that we will live your way. Father, help us, please help us to reach this county for the glory of God. Father, bless this year to be the greatest year we've ever had here at River of Life. I'm not going to say an amen. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.